0: Are you ready?
1: It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation!
0: Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What?
1: Embrace the vision. We want the smoke. Everybody's got a price.
0: For the benefit of those with flash photography. With a tear
1: in my eye. The
0: cream of the crop.
1: But, 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 life. Hey, yo. You just made the list. I am the man.
0: Woo! am the best there is, the best there was, and the
1: best there ever will be. This is such good shit. Let's just get down to business. We'll shoot from the hip.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Wrestle Nation, the NEW wrestling podcast. I am Jay Bowman, and I am joined for the first time. And so I can't really say as always yet, we'll wait till episode two. But I'm joined for the first time at least by Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the Stanchion. Wyatt, how are you doing?
0: Doing good. I'm excited for this new adventure in which I can torment you at yet another podcast
2: it's gonna be great but you know what i got a little bit of backup we have a deciding vote here this is a three-man booth also joining us the third member of the new shield we go on wrestling
1: trips together uh mike paris paris how are you my good friend oh i'm excellent excited to be back in the podcasting game on a full-time basis here we go boys the new shield is back and we're better than ever
0: i do want to say that Talking to our boss man Rob Fay, it's clear why Bowman was brought on board. You're the talent. You got. You're the host of the most. You know. You're great at what you do. Mike Paris is rest of the honky tonk man. He's got all that knowledge of that. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I've been brought in just to be the natural heel of the group until the inevitable heel turn from Mike Paris. Uh, But Bowman, you'll always be the babyface. So we're gonna do the heel dynamic. Uh, Bowman, you know, take it away with all your your babyface dynamics, please.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be something. We all know it's coming. There's gonna be a day in the future where Mike Paris is just gonna turn heel, and that might make Wyatt a bit of a tweener, or maybe that makes yeah. Wyatt a bit of a babyface. Yeah, I'm gonna we'll, Ricky we'll Steamboat. I'm gonna Ricky Steamboat this some bitch all the way to the very, very end. So, yeah, Mike <laughs> Paris. a series quick, of think, guitars.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're ready, ready like for smashing! Hockey
2: talk, didn't you? <laughs> one, day, yeah, one day you just start recording, and we look at your assembling a barbershop window in the background of your uh, of your recording studio. There, it's like, hey, I um, imagine, Mike, what's what's that? What's that behind you? Oh, oh, nothing. Just a little barber. Just a little project I'm working on. Just preparing. I feel like
0: when Mike like trained with with hockey talk, he just like trained them with people how to hit people with guitars, and that's it. What about like arm drag? No, 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 guitar.
2: Like uh, to hold. No, no,
0: no, no, guitar. <laughs>
2: Too bad that his alignment with Rockabilly didn't work out the way we all (laughs) thought it would. He was scouting for weeks. Who's he going to pick, the honky-tonk man? And then he picked Rockabilly, and uh, yeah, that's pre-New Age Outlaws. We're going to talk a lot of older wrestling on the show. We're going to talk a lot of current wrestling on the show, and we are also going to talk a lot of new wrestling on the show. And by that, of course, I mean NEW Nation Extreme Wrestling, the reason the three of us are here. It's the reason we exist. It's why we're put in this earth. That's what Rob
0: told me, at least, that we only exist to serve him. So yeah, I guess we'll accept it.
2: So, Mike, as a you were a big indie wrestling fan. You loved going to the ECCW shows as well. How excited Absolutely. are you for the new wrestling company in the Pacific Northwest, NEW,
1: coming up? bringing independent wrestling back to Vancouver in this way is it couldn't come at a perfect time. It couldn't come from a more uh, perfect uh, backing crew coming in and then picking up the roster that they've picked up. How could you not be excited? Um, Like I hope we can uh, see maybe a defy crossover in the future. Those kind of things coming through uh, because Pacific Northwest has some of the best indie talent, uh, in my opinion so uh i i'm i miss the history of of going to those eccw back shows back in the day but this is a bright and exciting new future
2: yeah, it's an absolute murderer's row when that uh, roster was trickled out over several days, one after another after another. Judas Icarus, Travis Williams, Nicole Matthews, Artemis Spencer, the list goes on and on. Uh, Wyatt, you were very closely uh, affiliated with uh, ECCW. You worked with a lot of these folks in the past. What's it been like for you over the last you know, two or three weeks as this information has come out about NEW?
0: Yeah, I mean I kind of got my start in ECW back in the day doing reviews of the show which made most wrestlers hate me uh, but eventually I started working with them and kind of working the promos and doing the, the cam work and. Um, it's been a lot of fun because when I first started in ECW, there wasn't a lot of social media work on their part and there wasn't a lot of like getting the people out there, which is why NAW is so exciting because they've got, you know, all these big ideas and I think they can do them like with technology or just big dreams. Like I love their enthusiasm and they believe in it and I believe in them. So coming in around now and just getting to work with these guys on a different level or like, you know, I get to work with them on promos maybe hopefully or even just working, even getting to see the shows themselves. Like who knows what role I might have or might not have. It's just fun to know that, these guys have a platform to work on uh, like the young talent the Icarus the Travis Williams the Beef Boys and then the veteran talent like Tony Bronin and Nicole Matthews Artemis Spencer who should be a big star all these people that are like so fantastic and a bunch of young guys we don't even know of are coming up through the ranks like we get to see all that hopefully in action in whatever forms we see it in Uh, super excited about it and I just kind of You know can't wait to partake and see where it goes and the best part is for me there's also some names that like haven't been signed and who knows they will but that leaves that little intrigue that little old school like hey maybe we'll hear someone's music or see some old face show up one day and i love that
2: mike paris who's a an old face an old name that you'd love to see pop up in any w that would make you mark
1: out Uh, i don't want to steal anyone's thunder here i I feel like i'm going to steal wyatt's pick thunder's yours man No, no no fergie gotta be fergie. fergie i haven't seen fergie announced yet and that that's he, he was one of my favorites from the eccw days so I, see I won't him. throw down for fergie he at the commodore
0: is a guy that again none of this is like again we're gonna say things of positive, that aren't mean spirit people get their feelings it's not mean but i don't think fergie was pushed enough in eccw i'm not attacking anyone else i'm just saying i wish he'd gotten more of a push because that guy ran the commodore, he'd go there. The last commodore, he was over so huge. Um, and again, like when I first met him, again we, I have my fuse and he knows all about it. Like I didn't like the ring gear. I was like, I don't know about this guy. And Tony Bruni told me. This guy's got Dusty roads in him, and I'm like, "Well, come come on, Tony, what are you talking about? He's like, I guarantee you in two years you'll see it, and I do see it. The guy's got great promos that haven't been seen yet. Uh, He does great work in the ring, and I will throw down for another name that hopefully we see on the road in the terms of another Fergie friend in Bishop, who I just love uh, his heel work. Uh, He had a face run at the end of his time at ECW. Uh, I really kind of want to see Bishop come in, and I also, because I kind of want to see Fergie and Bishop. They have have some beef to solve. They are a tag team. And then Bishop just threw out their vest, and they weren't teams anymore, and I, he dropped him for Sid Sylem. There's a lot of history there. I want to see that get played out in front of me. That's all I'm saying.
2: That's fantastic. We are obviously hoping to have a lot of, you know, the wrestlers and the talent on the show, on WrestleNation, chatting wrestling with us. Uh, One of the things that we're going to ask everybody that comes on, uh, something we all share as wrestling fans. I mean, all of us have been wrestling fans since we were little kids, almost our entire lives. And a lot of people that are passionate about it, same sort of deal. But... A lot of us have a different answer for this question that we're going to ask to each other right now. And we will ask of every new person coming on to the podcast. Uh, Wyatt, we're going to start with you. What hooked you on professional wrestling? Uh, there's a couple
0: things. Uh, the first was Bret Hart just being a Canadian, kind of a big icon. Just this guy that wrestling is bigger than life. And, you know, as a Canadian, you're supposed, you're supposed to be polite, quiet. You know, America's the big, you know trash-talking person, but they had Bret Hart come in, you know, win the title. Um, you know, back when I was first watching he was a very good baby face sort of stuff. Uh, went on to have one of the most underrated heel runs of all time. Uh, just love Bret Hart and what he did. Second one was Razor Ramon because, you know, he kind of taught young me what cool was. This guy's the, I don't know why, but he's the coolest <laughs> guy in the world. Like, I don't even know what Machismo is, but he's oozing it, and it's got to be fantastic.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a medical uh, condition. Yeah, at the time I, I, I didn't know, but... <laughs>
0: But, like, he'd give people his gold chains and say, like, if anything happens to this chain, something's going to happen to you. I'm like, this guy's, he was kind of the first, like, badass good guy. Because, like, Bret Hart, very stand-up, you know, at the time. But then Razor was kind of that first of that anti-hero uh, I got exposed to. And then that ladder match between him and Shawn Michaels kind of showed me a side of wrestling I'd never seen before. And, again, Bret Hart will tell you, he invented the ladder matches. So, you know, full out good job, Bret. But Razor and Shawn Michaels, that ladder match just blew me away. And in closing, last guy, uh, just the corporate rock. Corporate Rock, honestly, was just like his mic work. I just could not get enough of it. Telling the crowd, like, don't not sing along with the champ night. Like, his fucking expensive shirts, all the stuff he wore. I just, yeah, I could
2: not get enough of The Rock. So, oh, loved it. I loved in What was it? No Mercy, where he had, I think, a $500 shirt, but then an $800 <laughs> shirt. Two separate attires, two separate so shirts. Uh, Mike Paris, what about you? What was it that hooked you into the world of professional wrestling?
1: uh well it was uh, my dad really my dad was a huge huge wrestling fan uh from his childhood in england uh went to all the kind of cool indie shows like at carnivals and stuff in england when he was a kid and uh when i started to kind of show an interest my dad was like yes let's be wrestling fans together uh he took uh he took my brother to rock bottom which uh spurned my jealousy uh i oh, was like i want to go to these shows why aren't i invited to this and so i guess my fandom kind of came out of that jealousy i wanted to one-up my brother on something
2: okay how
1: why did you not
2: go to rock bottom did you not mow the lawn did you do something wrong what happened there? <laughs> Is he just pitting
1: the two brothers against each other hoping for some sort of you know future feud well you know who's not a wrestling fan mom Mom didn't want a uh, 10-year-old Mike going to uh, going to a wrestling show. So. But uh, after that point, uh, my dad fully embraced uh, my, my wrestling fandom and, and helped me. And of course, it was perfect timing as it was Attitude Era. So. I feel
0: like that sets up a very big Bret Hart, Owen Hart vibe with you and your brother. Like, did you guys ever like, wrestle it out at one point? <laughs> you kick his leg Not out yet. from underneath him? <laughs> yeah, you got to kick his leg Still out of waiting. his leg.
2: I can't imagine why your mom wouldn't want you to go to the wrestling show that had a stipulation where if, I think it was if Jeff Jarrett loses, deborah has got to disrobe. She's got to take her top off. If I remember correctly, In Your House Rock Bottom, that was it. And then uh, he lost, but then that was the Blue Blazer. Blue Blazer came out and covered up Debra. Oh, what
1: a great move that was. Oh, yeah. And the crowd, (laughs) even though we
2: knew it was Owen, we still booed because that's not what we were there for. So...
1: Well, obviously, we have our trivia master uh, on hand here uh, with Mr. Bowman, because name a show, and apparently he's got the card in front of him.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, the stipulation for that one was that if if, uh, Jeff Jarrett lost, Deborah would have to take her top hop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, For me, what it was that hooked me into wrestling, uh, it had to have been. I watched it when I was a little kid. Uh, My grandmother was a huge uh, pro wrestling fan, my nana. So she loved it, and I remember watching it with her. And it was the ultimate warrior was the guy that got me uh, going when I was about five years old or so. Uh, Rob Fay has teased me in the past for saying this, but I loved everything about it. I loved the colors. I loved the tassels. Uh, I loved the ring entrance. I loved the short matches. This is a long time before I appreciated good ring work, and I just liked a bunch of clotheslines and body slams. That was it for me. And the thing I loved about Warrior uh, that made me very invested in him was uh, people didn't just try to beat the Ultimate Warrior in those in those days. They tried to murder him. If you recall, Undertaker locking him in the casket, uh, Jake Roberts sticking a bunch of snakes and stuff on him, Papa Shango casting voodoo curses that caused him to like you know bleed black from the head and vomit up a bunch of colors. It was not enough for people just to defeat the Ultimate Warrior one, two, three in the wrestling ring. It was all about we also need to end this guy's life.
0: That's true. I remember those, yeah, Papa Shango, didn't want who lit a guy's hand on fire. I don't remember who it was, but I was like, as a kid, I was like, I think that's when I kind of was like, I don't know if this is what I want.
2: <laughs> it was a little too silly for me at that time. <laughs> yeah, and there was a thing where they were going to bring back Papa Shango in the Attitude Era. I saw some photos where he had done the, you know, promotional photos and stuff and done his roster photos. And they were going to bring back Charles Wright as Papa Shango.
1: Uh, but then they're like, hey,
2: you know what? Maybe a pimp instead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well let me ask you guys this when were you uh smartened up so to speak
0: oof um yeah i don't think i okay go ahead Bowman, you, yeah okay i'll go uh, i don't think i had an aha uh-huh moment it's not like i remember like oh i remember when they told me santa wasn't real i didn't have that talk with anyone but it was one of those things where i think it's <laughs> so like i'm pretty sure it was like one of those things we're at school and someone's like I can't believe wrestling's so fake and you're like Yeah, me either. You just pretend you knew all along. (laughs) Like, it's so fake. And you go home like, no.
2: (laughs) For me, I'd have to say it was, it wasn't anything. That was two weeks ago. (laughs) Uh, I could not (laughs) believe. This conversation.
0: Ron Faye broke it to me.
2: (laughs) 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 Wait, 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 what? (laughs) Now I have to pretend like I, I knew all along. No, it wasn't anything specific for me, it was the fact that I was confused as to how all of these random matches, it was like you had an hour of Monday Night Raw at the time, right? And how all these random matches all managed to fit within a perfect 60 minute show and time frame and fit within the commercial breaks and everything. I always thought that was a bit strange and I was talking to my dad about it and then my dad, I guess, kind of hit me to everything and let me know, okay, well this is what's really going on and I was like, oh, Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it you know changed things for me for a bit. I think it was a much bigger impact for me when I found out that Roller Jam was fake. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i used to love That's my e- my friday nights on tnn ecw wrestling and roller jam and then i started to ask the same questions about roller jam like this always comes right down to the wire with the exact <laughs> last play a last trip around the track and i always thought huh, eh, something's fishy about that so i was betrayed by roller jam uh but uh yeah wrestling Ah, it happened. You knew it's fake and, you know, you grow to respect it as you grow older with the difficulty of it. I think that would horrify me if I found like what would be the one thing if you did
0: find out it was fake would like just crush you. And for me it would be finding out that American Gladiators was fake, and Two Scoops didn't have that run. That would break me. I no. don't want to know. If either of you two find out that's fake, don't tell me. No, that Let can't me have happen. that.
2: Two Scoops was real? All that stuff was real? I actually found myself in an American Gladiators rabbit hole recently, watching you know some of the best Eliminator runs and stuff. And you know Two Scoops is showing up and all that stuff. I cannot – no, I will not fathom that that was fake. There was a video I watched recently of – I think it was Turbo during a challenge full-on punched a dude in the face – because oh, the yeah, dude he was mad. cheating, and then the referee made one of the best calls I've seen, where he deducted the guy points for cheating, but then he awarded him points for getting punched in the face by a gladiator, and it all evened <laughs> out. It was great, but you know that's good on the spot thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great officiating. Earl Hebner wishes.
0: Paris do you have anything that if you found out was fake would uh oh if console? I found
1: out it was fake oh well yeah. you know I, th- I think extreme tag might be a work too but uh <laughs> <laughs> don't get Bobin started but uh yeah I, I think I'm a big as I think uh why you are as well I'm a big competition reality guy so if I found out that anyone had been you know fixing big brother or anything I'd be pretty pissed oh yeah, fair, fair, good call. <laughs> well,
2: as a fan of the Mass Singer, which I did not think we would be discussing on episode one of uh, Wrestle Nation, uh, that shit is that's booked. That is one hundred percent predetermined. Oh, There's yeah. no way, no way, Hanson didn't win that last season. Not having it, <laughs> <laughs> not having it. Historically, get- who would who would you say was is the one wrestler that? You know, if you look back and you were going to prove, yeah, this is this is predetermined, this is fixed. You're like, there's no way this guy could win uh, an athletic competition against anybody else. Who would that wrestler be? Wyatt, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, honky talk man. There's just no way. <laughs> not to not to bury honky hey. all day long. <laughs> no,
0: <keep> <laughs> he just has such a big opinion of himself. I'm like, dude, come on, you weren't
1: doing anything in that ring. <laughs> Paris. I, I feel like I feel like we should just uh, clarify since we've referenced it on several occasions <laughs> now that when when I was uh, 14, I uh, trained with ECCW and the Honky Tonk Man led a camp, uh, which I was a part of. I'm sure, Wyatt, if you have some contacts uh, who've been around for a while, you might be able to pull a very embarrassing video of me, braces and a bad haircut.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I still stand firm by my decision. I don't think Hawk is
1: gonna do much in the ring.
0: Um,
1: yeah, who do you who do you got, Paris? Uh, do you know what? I might go uh, Bowman on our previous podcast. I used to get mocked for uh, referencing this person a lot, but I don't think Billy Kidman could hold his own very much either. <laughs> oh, poor Billy!
2: <laughs> You've been so anti-Kidman for years, <laughs> for years. <laughs> who wins in a fight, Waltman
0: or Kidman?
1: Oh battled man uh, now, hold who wins?
2: question can I yeah. just clarify the, the Waltman yeah. in question has he crashed the set of the surreal life and is about to get into it with Debrat no okay all right that that Waltman's
1: untouchable <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know I might pick I might pick uh, Kidman in this case there we go we're, we're healing on the show we've got to come around. the world is healing
2: I always had a hard time, and I liked him when I was younger. But I always had a hard time believing the, you know, the one-two-three kid could ever beat anybody. When he beat Razor Ramon, obviously that was one of the biggest, you know, shocks in the early era of Monday Night Raw. But uh, you know, beyond that, he had his kicks and stuff. But it was, you know, watching that, it was tough to think that, you know, a guy like Razor Ramon wouldn't just absolutely destroy this guy in every sense of the word.
0: Oh, that was, again, I was a huge Razor guy, so I hated that storyline, but in a good way. I was like, this little shit? No way. Like, I thought that was great and fantastic. Um, but going the the reverse, who's the one guy you think that, like, would not get beaten in the ring? Like, whether it's on their size, strength, or their skills. I always remember, as my point of reference, this funny one is when Daniel P- Pewter was in the ring with Kurt Angle. I loved that when he, like, actually took him down and, like, what's supposed to happen? <laughs> yeah. Ended his wrestling career, but whatever. Well, you know, you, you, you know, probably go out more remembered for doing that than anything you would have done in the ring. I agree to disagree like because although he's,
2: o- he's <laughs> remembered for that, he's also remembered for being one of four people in the Royal Rumble uh, and just getting the absolute ever loving shit kicked out of him uh by the vets. If we recall, remember that where yep. yeah, he was in there and then what was it it was I think Eddie Guerrero, you know, Bob Hawley's involved. And I think Benoit was the third guy. And they all just took turns destroying this guy before throwing him out of the ring. Whew, tough business. I think I would
0: go with uh, just the <laughs> stories you read. Just the Steve Blackman, who apparently was a total psycho and could hurt people <laughs> like Steve Blackman, would
2: be the guy I wouldn't want to mess with. There's a story about Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock. Uh, I'm sure I'm fine to tell. and I'm not going to mention any names, but um, a good friend of mine. His mother worked for Air Canada, worked at the airport, so would know when the wrestlers were coming in. So uh, his little brother went to go see the wrestlers, and his little brother was a bit, you know, heavier set, and met Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, and then said hello and said, Hey, I've seen you guys on TV. And then I'm not sure if it was Blackman or Shamrock who said, Oh, I've seen you on TV too. And then my friend's brother was like, What do you mean? He's like, Oh, you're Cartman, right? (laughs) Stiff. That's a stiff shot. <laughs> who do we wow. think that? That
1: sounds like Blackman. If he's that much stiff. that's speaker. a Blackman move.
0: That is a yeah. Blackman move. One hundred percent.
1: Because I would never pegged him as someone who had such a sharp, uh, uh, quick response like that. You didn't see like talent, or somebody that would actively bully a child in the middle of an airport. <laughs> Do, do you think he has that one banked for every fat kid that he sees at an airport <laughs> It's just like, that's his running line?
0: Yeah. Ken's so tired of it. Steve, enough, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: We've heard it all before. Yeah. Can I travel with somebody new? He keeps doing the Cartman thing, and it's just, it's just not working he for Kids, He's anymore. dropping the line. It's not even working anymore. Yeah. I would probably say I remember in the... Was it Severin? Dr- Dan Severin dropped out of the Brawl for All because he was obviously going to win because it was like uh, on takedowns and stuff. Brawl for All, I'm sure we'll discuss it several times over the course of this <laughs> show. But uh, I would probably go with, yeah, a Severin or a Ken Shamrock is another one that I thought was, you know, just an absolute ass kicker in his prime. Not He's still going, I believe.
1: I, I thought Haku would have been
2: the
0: uh, cliché answer oh! here. Good call, good call. Yeah. Everybody, He's ripping people's yeah. eyeballs out, right?
2: Yeah. Everybody take a moment and just accept that we were wrong about this. <laughs> and the unified, correct answer, undisputed, is Haku slash Ming. The only person who could stop Haku would be Bing.
0: Look, here's where I become a heel. I'm going to disagree because you know what would happen? Steve Blackman would call him Cartman and break him mentally. Oh! <laughs> I see you on TV, Ming. Because <laughs> that's the thing.
2: People tried to go at Ming and Haku physically. I don't think yeah. anybody ever tried to attack mentally, and he might not exactly. be that strong in that regard. So little little mean joke, little mean <laughs> reference, break him down. He starts asking questions about his own physique, and then boom, roundhouse kick. Yeah. it could happen. Okay. All right. We've discussed a lot of stuff (laughs) all over the map uh, on this first episode of the show, but this is pretty much how it's going to go. We're going to be doing different segments, different stuff like that. Uh, Mike Paris, uh, you've got something you wanted to, uh, to walk us through.
1: Yeah, I I figured uh, every week we could go through, uh, you know, kind of the current day of wrestling. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of us don't follow it as closely as we used to. The product is not great, boys. I'm not going to lie to you. But we're going to go through some things that are happening currently and we're going to push it. Gotta
0: say one thing before we start, we were talking pre-show and you guys kept saying like Pusher Barry, I thought it was like a good drug dealer. Oh yeah, Pusher Barry, Is that, what's the segment? Pusher Barry, <laughs> so Push or Barry, I got it now. So uh,
2: it's Barry Horowitz and it's, it's we're going to try and get his gimmick over as a drug we're dealer. Get, He's Pusher yeah. Barry, it's going to be great. Or Barry Darso, if Horowitz isn't involved or isn't interested in it, we'll get Barry Darso. I don't want to have to go to Barry Windham. So if the first two berries pass, then uh, the pusher Barry gimmick is is done. So yes, Mike Paris, push or Barry. All right.
1: Uh, thing number one, Nick Gage as a mainstream wrestler.
0: Oh, I do not like Nick Gage. That is a great question. Barry the fuck out of him. Uh, again, as a personal person, I'm glad he's beat his demons. I watched this episode uh, on the dark side of the ring, and I'm glad he really seems to love the fans. Like He loves what he does. But I was never a big McFoley guy. If you're just in there, like, and all you're doing is, like, hurting your body and that stuff, that's not really my thing. And so, yeah, like, I think as a one off on AEW, it was fun because it was kind of, like, a unique thing. Having having a one death match once a year, fun, whatever. But as a mainstream thing, uh, I do not want to see that. I just I don't, I don't know what it is. And I guess I get people like it. And I'm not saying you're wrong not to like it, but it's just, it's not my thing.
2: I'm going Barry as well. Uh, you know, the thing that happened with David Arquette, because people are getting involved with Nick Gage, too. I don't know if it's to strengthen, like, their own brand or get street cred within, you know, independent wrestling and stuff. But it's, like, that shit's super dangerous. And uh, you recently saw Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, uh, beat him just earlier this week as well for that title belt in a very, very bloody and damaging death match. The thing with Jericho on AEW, same thing. Every once in a while, fine. But there has to be, again, agree with Wyatt. Glad he beat his demons and everything. But there's got to be a better person you can bring in to fill that role although he is notorious within you know that realm also phenomenal the cut of him doing the pizza cutter on Jericho's face and then it cut into a picture and picture promo for Domino's Pizza
1: you you stole my heat there a little bit. You scooped my Damn heat. Damn it! I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna cut to uh, now a word from our sponsors. Uh, Domino's is testing driverless delivery. <laughs> uh, well, I've seen
2: that driverless delivery. I don't like it. I, don't, I don't trust it. <laughs>
1: <Anyway>. <laughs> yeah. I saw a this commercial driverless delivery podcast. This is not the, podcast. Yeah, is not the Singularity Larry podcast. <laughs> uh, so perfect segue, Bowman. Uh, Matt Cardona as a top heel in the Indies. Push or Barry.
2: I'm going to go push on this one because uh, he has obviously still such a big social media profile, got a gorgeous lady with him. And he also has that, I'm not going to call it the stench of being on like WWE, but he was a guy who was a mainstream guy for a long, long time. And he can very easily roll back on that and rely on that for, you know, heat with fans and stuff and act like he's above all of it. So I'm going to go push on that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go push. I'm not a huge writer guy, but. I do like the fact that this is a guy that got his own momentum by himself. And obviously, you know, WD doesn't seem to like that, shut him down and kind of, you know, held around for a while, but he's a guy that kind of knows how to hustle. And I always respect that. And I always like the stories of someone who goes away and finds their game and comes back and, The easy way is kind of go away and get your body super buff. We've seen a couple of people do that, um, big cast and stuff. I'll get super jacked, fine. But I I think him kind of doing good heel work and finding a different uh, avenue that's not just purely you know, working out in the gym. I love that. So if he can find a way to come back and all the more power to him, I love the fact that he's not giving up. And it would be pretty easy for him to be like, you know what, I've had it. I'll just go to my shows and do whatever. But he's trying to reinvent himself, and I'll always love that.
2: Yeah, and also to do the match with Nick Gage. And he's not just going in doing indie shows and doing Zack Ryder moves and stuff. He's stretching himself he's trying new things and he's in super bloody death matches it reminded me a lot uh when i was seeing highlights of that match of like tommy dreamer in ec in ecw back in the day where he's kind of this like bland sort of babyface, and then he undergoes like a lot of i guess you know hardcore rituals in order to kind of get over with uh with the fans and yeah it was it was awesome it turned him in a whole new character so who knows where this will go for Zack Ryder?
1: Well, if the uh, head honchos are listening and taking suggestions, I feel like a Matt Cardona and uh, Chelsea Green homecoming would be a good NEW uh, moment.
0: Ooh, Artie Ar- Ar- Spencer up and uh, Nicole Matthews. Let's get the matchup <gasps> Let's going.
1: Let's do it! <laughs> oh. A little... It was kind of like when uh, when uh, Becky and, and Seth teamed up against, uh, what's her name, Lacey Evans and... <laughs>
2: And Corbin Barron, yeah, Corbin Cor- Barron, uh, Corbin and uh, oh.
1: which that's a long that's a, a long term joke.
2: We've been calling him Corbin Barron for years. refused to use it properly. Although, uh, Mike, I'm not sure if you have hard or tough luck, uh, Corbin Barron on your pusher Barry list. But if you don't, I'd like to make a late uh, late entry. Yeah, you can uh, do what you want. Push push the hell out of that. I watched a couple promos of him just sitting, sulking in the back, talking about how he can't afford this. He can't afford that. He doesn't know how to get stains out of his shirt. It's incredible. It
1: feels a little too real to me. I feel like it, it does. He's real, you know how they say, turn, take your gimmick and t- just take yourself and turn it up to 11? That's that.
2: That's perfect,
0: though. Like, that's why that it's loser. so real and authentic because I believe him.
2: He's he's absolutely crushing it I had heard the hype Oh, he's killing it in this new gimmick Tough luck Baron Corbin is fantastic And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah Like I've never been a fan of the guy But I watch, yeah, two or three promos And unbelievable, it's hysterical And he's selling it so well Because it does feel super real The worst
0: part is that You just know Vince loves that gimmick Way too much (laughs) It's tough luck, did you get a pound? I catch a break
2: He's going broke. He's
0: going. He's going broke. He's putting change on the ground.
1: (laughs) Oh jeez. All right, next uh, next pusher Barry. We got Liv Morgan as the underdog main eventer in the women's division.
0: Is is there a neutral ground where I'm like okay with whatever happens? (laughs) Can I get a count out here, pusher Barry? (laughs) I'll do one of those that ends in a question. Push?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a dusty dusty finish for Wyatt. Yeah, a dusty finish.
0: I got distracted by music, guys. What's happening?
2: (laughs) I'm going with Barry here. I think she's, you know, a decent wrestler. She's never, you know, blown me away or anything. But I thought for sure that she'd be winning money in the bank just because it made sense so now there's an extended chase for her uh very crowded women's division over on uh SmackDown. I mean not so much I guess now with Bailey being out of the picture for a while but uh yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Barry I just I'm just
1: not into it I feel like she has uh Daniel Bryan energy going on right now and a little bit a little bit of momentum like the fans are behind her people view her as uh, someone who's been you know shut down and uh, I think she can make something out of that
2: You're kind of seeing a lot of that happen on Raw. It's a different gimmick for sure, but with Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero, uh, where it's the same sort of thing, just plucky underdog who people are kind of rooting for and getting behind and having the same thing. I know one's a superhero and one isn't, but having the same kind of push going on the same show at the same time, uh, sometimes not the greatest
1: i think it's something that we couldn't have happened had happened without fans in the arena though i feel like that's really changed kind of the momentum of things and and you don't you don't get a raw takeover of daniel bryan with in the thunderdome you know what i'm saying so <laughs> what? they're coming closer to the
2: screens
1: those screenshots of people have been like oh my god great energy <laughs> Uh, I, I just a side note on that topic. Uh, this isn't necessarily a push or berry but it's just something that's grinding my gears right now. Why can't they anyone run with the women's money in the bank for like the whole year? I feel like every time it's been cash in like literally the next day or the same night for what? Four out of five, five out of six, whatever it is. I think Carmella's yeah, I the only person like, who had a decent run with it.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel like Carmella and maybe, I want to say Alexa Bliss, but no, that was the same night or the, the same next night. day where she cashed in on, was it Rousey, right? Rousey, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's been an extended uh, Money in the Bank contract run for uh, for a female wrestler in the couple of years and that they've had it.
1: That's weird. For me, that's the whole fun of of the Money in the Bank, is, is the when are they going to do it? And in the women's division, there hasn't been that person, like... I feel like this year, and I'm a huge Alexa Bliss mark, so I'll, she could do no wrong in my eyes, but if she were to have it with her current gimmick and be kind of mystical about when she was going to cash it in or if she was going to cash it in, or like you could play that for a really long time and make a make some hay out of it.
0: Yeah, the, the anticipation is always the fun part. And again, I remember when Brock had it and everyone was like, oh, obviously Brock is one of the champions League all the time, and There was kind of Brock fatigue. Him dancing with that suitcase and the money in the bank. Like, there was there was something about that, that was like, oh, when is this beast going to cash in? That felt really fun. They didn't utilize it much, but just the idea of like when Brock might show up, even if they just do teases, was great. And I think the one person that really could have worked, you know, back before they kind of ruined the push around her, uh, Shayna Baszler, I think would have been so good with that briefcase of just kind of like, yep. when is she going to cash in when she was at her elite, like, I'm like an MMA fighter who like chokes people out. Like, I think that would have been fun for her just to tease it and not knowing when she's going to come. I would have loved that. Yeah.
2: And, you know, something that we haven't seen happen a whole lot where Shayna Baszler just comes out and watches a match. She doesn't come in yep. and fake a cash-in, because that's usually what happens. Someone's down, they come in, they're thinking about it, then they change their mind or something like that. Uh, but yeah, her just, she just comes out to ringside, sits down, watches the match, has her briefcase with her, and goes, huh, okay. Here's the one thing that no one's done yet,
0: and I really want it to happen. It would have been the edge who had done it. Maybe you still can, who knows. Someone's got a Thomas Crown affair the shit out of that. A bunch of people with the money in the banks coming around the ring. You don't know if any of them are real. (laughs) You don't
2: know. (laughs) All wearing bowler hats. We don't know what's happening. Oh, the smoke and mirrors of it all is fantastic. Oh, that'd be great. What else have they not done with the money in the bank cash? And they did it in the main event of Mania. Um, You know, they've... They've done it in all manner of different ways. I'm trying to think if there's any other clever fun ways they can uh they can do the money in the bank cash in at this point cuz I mean when they start running down the stats every time we come across the money in the bank pay-per-view, you realize that holy crap, there's been what 30 over 30 of these things now, which is crazy to think about because they've obviously saturated the hell out of it the last couple of years giving in it its own pay-per-view, multiple ones, one for the women as well. So, yeah, what what would you say?
1: The, the only thing I could think of that might be interesting is if you were going to do like a send down, so to speak, to NXT. So like Finn Balor, for instance, before they sent him down, of course, and then brought him back up and yada, yada, yada. Like if he had won the money in the bank and then went to NXT and cashed it in on the NXT champion and that's how they brought him down. Like that's the only kind of thing that I could think of that would elevate that brand and and potentially elevate that performer and but still give it the prestige it needs. Yeah, it would hel- elevate the hell out of the brand it's like,
2: no, this is the one that I want. It's like was yeah. uh, sh- when Charlotte won the Rumble, she challenged um, Rhea Ripley for the NXT women's title for her Rumble win, correct? Yeah. Instant, so, uh, yeah, instant credibility for that uh, for that title. What else do you have for Push
1: or bury, Mike? Speaking of titles, this is in ve- very general terms. The 24-7 title, push it or bury it. There is a place
0: for it, but not the way they utilized it. Um, I think at this point, I'm kind of more into wanting to see the other titles get elevated. So, like, I just I feel like that should be the more important thing right now. Um, I, it's going to be a fun, silly gimmick, don't get me wrong. But, you know, R2 your best champion with it and you did a lot of fun stuff with it. But, like, it's just, I don't know. I just, I have fond memories of the old days of Crash, you know, Holly getting that title and running away. That was kind of fun. But I don't know how many ways you can reinvent that wheel to make it kind of fresh and fun. So, for me, like... Made. I it probably is a good idea out there. And again, I'll go back to Thomas Crown Affair. Maybe that's how it works to keep there for people. I'm always going to go Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> but uh, you're going to see that in NEW one day. You'll know that I pitched. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've, they've signed a new wrestler, Thomas Crown. <laughs> Every match of his will be a Thomas Crown Affair. Why do they? That, that, you got to hold on to that gimmick for yourself. I'm just thinking of the Thomas Crown Affair. I would never
0: fight at all. I just have a bunch of briefcases and people with it. And if you find the briefcase with the right thing in it, that's how you beat me. That's the only way. You can't physically put your hands on me. But if you find the right brief- briefcase, you win.
1: So I you're like not it. a wrestler.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just a guy. Like, you have no reason to beat me. It's just a random guy. What do we get if we, if we get the right briefcase? I uh, respect. I don't know. Like, there's no reason to do that.
2: I'm sorry. Let me, just, let me just clarify this. So you're not a wrestler. You're just a guy that likes briefcases. And <laughs> <Yeah. Ed> chance. <laughs> Yep, yeah. it's <laughs> a hell like of a gimmick. Of I'm into it. I'm, I don't know what it is. That's the magic of pro push wrestling. Up, push You're not, g- yeah, push for sure. Yeah, he doesn't throw <laughs> a single punch, not a single arm drag to be seen. But he likes briefcases, and he's a bit of a trickster. I dig it. I dig it.
1: All right. So this last one, of course, is uh, the biggest news probably of this week, uh, and it's this is kind of a two-parter. Pusher Barry, uh, CM Punk in AEW.
0: Um, yeah, I think anything that gets involved in wrestling is a good thing. Uh, I think it'll be fun again. We'll see how it gets utilized if that's what happens. Uh, but right now, like as, you know, i sure we'll talk about it down the road. Like they're really in a, a mode where like they're dropping names and they're dropping stuff that reminds me of the old days where you get super excited about names and they're kind of using them the right way. Um, there's a lot of time in WD where they'll bring in an old name and it's just purely for like, you know, those big shows, like, over oh, we're in trouble, pal, bringing all the old names and it's for no point. Like they're just there for the sake of being there. And it's like, well, what was the point of that? Who did that help? And I think they're doing a better job of bringing these people uh, now, like, okay, let's, who cares? Let's talk about Jericho, the, the labors of Jericho right now. Bringing up Hooventude was like, oh, shit. Like, that's the stuff I love right now. There you yeah, go. Boma, I, you're excited? Tell me about it. It's absolutely crazy to bring it in Hooventude.
2: I love that feud with Quasi Juice. <laughs> And get yeah. the mask when Jericho was doing his trophies, when he was stealing like nicknames and Prince Iakea's skirt and he stole Juventude's mask. That was such good, Jericho, at the time. Uh, yeah, I love that. And just to know who the Legends Knights for Raw benefits, it's people like me who are wondering, hey, what's Tatanka up to these days? <laughs> <laughs> <What's> he <doing? laughs> Is he still with uh, a billion dollar man? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I, I really kind of like that uh, aspect of it. Uh, I'm going. I'm going push. Uh, CM Punk fan from you know back uh, in Ring of Honor. Uh, love the stuff he did in WWE towards the tail end of it. Like that was the last time where wrestling, as far as I'm concerned, WWE was must watch was the Summer of Punk. We're we're 10 years down the road from it now, but you didn't know what was going to happen. There was so much intrigue with that, uh, his title run afterwards, um, just all that stuff up until when he lost to The Rock, uh, and then he just kind of spun his wheels for a little bit, uh, lost his passion for the business, which was tough to see because you know how much he cared about it. That first Summer of Punk he did in Ring of Honor where he signed his WWE contract on the Ring of Honor title belt, And everybody like all the top stars in the company returning stars went back to ROH to try and take the belt back from him because of how much he was dishonoring it and how much of a bastard he was like great mind for wrestling. I'm excited to see. I mean, he's probably lost a step. It's been seven years, I'm sure. But uh, no, I think it's a huge uh, benefit and boon for the company to get him back.
1: So that uh, leads me to the second part of the question. How would you feel about CM Punk going to AEW in a non-wrestling role? We've seen Big Show, Mark Henry, a lot of these guys get saying they're going to AEW and they go and they're just uh, there to look pretty. So if CM Punk goes to AEW under the same kind of circumstances and doesn't want to take a bump, are we still happy about it?
2: I'm going to go Barry on that one, I want to see him wrestle again. I want to see him mix it up because like WWE and I know it was a Fox thing, not a WWE thing, but already kind of squandered his big return to the world of pro wrestling when he was on that studio show.
0: Yeah. 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 I think I would want to bury that. I mean, Again, If you want to make like money by all means, go ahead, hang out with the big show, do what you want. And I think if his mind for the business is there, that would be a benefit. But one, it's in terms of like being a big disappointment because it's been building up, building up, and this the idea that Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson could show up or CM Punk could show up like that's AW's really got momentum right now where they're bringing in people and utilizing them in a good way. And I, you know, I don't think CM Punk, I have to assume, I don't think he's in that big show frame of mind where he just wants to kind of show up. I think for him to even kind of mention getting back in wrestling at this point, they do, I would have to assume. Just the idea of having more control of your character and more control of your direction, which is what I'm sure they'll offer him. Like, that's got to inspire him and gotta get him excited about it again.
2: And we can all agree that MJF, MJF's going to be the first one to reference his poor uh, mixed martial arts record, correct? Hundred <laughs> <100%. It's a, laughs> yeah, percent. It's a lineup yeah. of people just waiting to get that instant heat and call him a, a bad real fighter and all that. But you know it's a done deal. It's been reported. It's a done deal. They announced in this past week's Dynamite that they got the show uh, Rampage, the first dance, which will be in Chicago. Immediate CM Punk chance start. You got Darby Allen dropping little yeah. hints and stuff. <laughs> I love the way they're doing it. I would. I don't. What would you rather have? Uh, we'll go around the horn. Would you rather have a big shocking surprise return like that? That being, I'm not going to say a lapsed fan, but maybe you don't watch every single Dynamite as soon as it airs and you're going to find out anyway. Or would you like these kind of breadcrumbs and stuff uh, building up to what everybody all knows is going to happen? Uh, Wyatt, we'll start with you. I think a solid mix
0: of both is always fun because that way, uh, if you're going to go that route, that's cool. And with the breadcrumb route... There is always a party that goes, is this just like a swerve? Is this like, it's too obvious? Like, what are they doing? And you don't know for sure. So it still also gets its own intrigue. So I like that aspect as well. I will say, if say whatever reason that the CM Punk thing falls through, I hope they still do something where it's a big reveal. And in the ring, it's fake Diesel and fake Razor. At least give me that. That'll be <laughs> the crowd reaction. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> just and Thomas Crown briefcases everything. Of course, I'm just saying. Oh, yes, of course. I, I figured you'd work Thomas Crown in that. What about you, Mike? Like, what do you want to see here?
1: Uh, I would have given you a very different answer 5-10 years ago than I'm going to give you today because I think AEW is doing the right thing by knowing that this is going to be impossible to avoid getting revealed. And so they're dropping the breadcrumbs because they know people are going to find out. They know people are reading the dirt sheets. They know people are are looking out for this story. They know they're going to Chicago, like all these things that you pointed out. So the writing's on the wall, so why not play around with it a bit? And I think that's the exact smart thing to do from the AEW being the new kids in town perspective.
2: Right. Okay. So follow me here. It's 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 Rampage the First Dance. Cult of Personality hits, which is great because he can still use that music. You know that Tony Khan's not afraid to shell out some dough for some good uh, theme music. Cult of Personality hits. CM Punk comes out onto the stage. All of a sudden, Final Countdown hits. Brian Danielson shows up. Hits him with a big knee. He's super excited. He's like, oh, no, you're not staking my spotlight. I'm here in AEW. And then Braun Strowman shows up and <laughs> beats both of their asses. And that's the big acquisition. Braun Strowman, or as Vincent Man will come to know him one
1: day, the one that got away. Is How that what did you that truly happen? think? How did that happen? That guy. He seems to be the perfect Vince guy, but uh, it, it didn't go down that way, did it? Apparently, he just Again. cost too much money. Wasn't that the... I Just think that was the scars him. No, no. that he caused. No, to-
0: here's the real deal, guys. The <laughs> real deal is he didn't wrestle Vince on a plane. And that is a no go for Vince. <laughs> yep. If you don't wrestle him on a plane, you don't cut the ball to do it, get him out of here. <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah. It was COVID times. security thing. I shouldn't do it. He couldn't get that close to him during COVID yeah. times. Yeah. He's like,
0: he's like no, I can't. it's COVID, Vince. Fucking pussy. He's like, no, I don't care, pal.
1: Do Take your
2: mask off, Co- you Kofi's Co- like, just do it.
1: Fucking do it.
2: Kurt Angle wrestle me during a SARS outbreak. Get over here, pal. <laughs> Did you guys see what Vince McMahon said today on the quarterly earnings call? He's been no. trending on Twitter all day for uh for what he says uh talking about aew obviously aew a lot of news dominating the wrestling headlines with their rumored acquisitions and everything they have going on mr man quote i don't see them as competition perhaps we should give them some more talent
0: wow wow i mean that shits on the talent and like that's a, that's a good i mean wow that's weird though because like i feel like there's got to be a little bit of like He's got to scare them little, be scared a little bit of them. Like, they've got momentum right he's now. He's totally box- scared big, of them. Right? <laughs> sorry, st- I didn't
2: push hard. I should totally... Yeah. You idiot, he's totally scared of <laughs> them.
0: Jesus. That's Get the him. heel turn
2: coming. Get him, Mike. <laughs> yeah, quote, quote, I don't consider AEW competition in the way I considered WCW back in the day. Not even anywhere near close to that.
0: That's scare talk. I agree. I'm sorry I didn't go hard enough. That's a, that's a scared man right there.
2: He's old. He's scared. He's confused. He doesn't know where he is. <laughs>
0: Why is anyone wrestling me on a plane? He just wants to (laughs) wrestle on a plane. That's all he wants.
2: Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, where AEW is compared to being a big competitor of WWE? Because I would love for AEW to be at that WCW level and for WWE to be on the ropes. But is WWE, after damn near two decades of dominating the landscape, are they too big to ever,
1: not even topple, but ever have that 1A, 1B? I think they're too big to topple overall, but I think that there's enough market share there for them to to really diminish NXT, for instance. And I think that there's a lot of talent up and coming who are given the option going to go to AEW. Their I th- I think their ability to develop stars in WWE it was hindered already, and it's going to be even hindered further by the fact that these people are going to choose to go somewhere where they feel like they're more creatively involved, where they're more embraced, um, where the benefits are better, like all these kind of things that are a big factor for these individuals who are putting their life on the line.
2: Yeah. And to John Moxley's point where, yeah, the creativity is better wrestlers are incredibly creative people. Every single one of them I've ever met or spoken to. Wyatt, I'm sure you can agree as well. And to give them that sort of sandbox to play in. And you heard uh, John Moxley talk a ton about it when he left WWE, about what his last several years were like there, and just what his overall experience was of getting different scripts handed to him by different writers that he had to memorize, and none of it makes any sense. And it's all filtered through the mind of a... Increasingly older and out of touch former genius. Wyatt, thoughts? We all we all agree. We're just yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're nodding along
0: <laughs> to
1: this, yeah. and it's a great point. <laughs> we're such good podcasters. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's uh, no, any disagree. more pusher berry for you, Mike Paris or <laughs> No, that's
1: it. That's that. That rounds it up. I've got uh, I've got some some banked for next episode, but uh, I feel like we covered the top topics.
2: Okay, awesome. Um, we're gonna get into this week in wrestling history. All right, so this week in wrestling history, it was July twenty seventh, two thousand and nine, in the heart of the raw guest host era. Remember that? Remember Summerfest everybody? At <laughs> <laughs> the Silverdome. <laughs> Uh, The guest host for Raw on that particular evening was Shaquille O'Neal, who was an outside enforcer in the main event, uh, which was crime time against Jarrah Show, and uh, a bit of a scrum, and then Big Show standing alone in the ring, taunts Shaq, Shaq gets in, Hogan's his referee shirt, they go dual chokes with each other crime time ruins the moment by jumping in and attacking him and then shaq gives a big shoulder black or shoulder block to big show and then uh yeah it's pretty much it building to a wrestlemania match that never ended up happening um why do you remember shaq versus big show yeah the choke off yeah
0: yeah i mean that's not a favorite period of time i think like yeah, it was <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm trying to think of ways to be nice. No, but...
2: that's perfect.
1: That is exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. So, so Bo, you sent us this clip uh, prior to the episode in order to prepare for a conversation on this topic. And the first, well, not the first thing, of course, but the main thing I noticed was as uh, Shack is challenging Big Show from the outside. Big Show just opens his mouth and has a big, just slobber, just fall down his chin into his bad goatee. I'm like, this is, this is a mess from start to finish.
2: (laughs) And then Shaq's got to be like, you know what? No, I'm good. You just you keep slobbering it there. I'm, I'm good out here. I'm not going to do it. Now, here's the thing. I thought that they never squared off in the ring at all. I had completely forgotten. I think it was some sort of Australian Royal Rumble or something. One of the big, you know, back up the Brinks trucks pay-per-views they've done over the years uh, where Shaq was a surprise entrant and him and the big show. I guess they punched each other a couple times. I can't remember for the life of me how that worked out, but it turns out that did happen. They did square off.
1: Well, and now AEW, you know, they could do it again. They're both AEW uh, property. <laughs> yeah. We could I see that could match, really. finally. Finally. <laughs> what we've all I been Sha- asking for. Shaq's
2: table bunt with, uh, with Cody Rhodes, that was pretty impressive. I don't think any of us can stand around and go, you know, I'm not shocked that he took that sort of bump. That was that cross body over the top rope or whatever through the table, That was that was something else. I was impressed. Anytime I think of, like, big bumps,
0: I always, like, my mind always thinks of the worst big bump I ever saw, which, again, I'm always going to say the Rikishi Sawdust bump. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) in a chicken coop.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's what it was. (laughs) I remember that Hell in the Cell match where that was only, that was the first one after Mick Foley, if I'm not mistaken. It might be close, mm-hmm. but it's you're close, yeah. wondering, okay, what's going to be the crazy-ass one here? What's going to be the crazy stunt? There's always a crazy stunt with Hell in the Cell. Now there isn't, uh, but at the time there was. was. Like, Oh, we got six guys. Someone's getting thrown off the top of this thing. And then if you were to tell me, oh, it's going to be Rikishi, I'm like, oh, so he, he died then. So he's dead. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to throw him onto a, a flatbed truck. Oh, that's I mean it's a few feet off the ground sure, but that sounds even more devastating. What kind of suspension does it have? No, it doesn't not going to matter. We're going to fill it with a bunch of sawdust. Uh, and stuff from hamster cages and he's going to land. poofs in the air. Poofs in the air. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I know this kind of ties in a little bit to AEW and Jericho because when they did their big war games match or whatever uh, people shitting on it because you know, an obviously fake stunt. He lands on a bunch of uh, black sheet over a bunch of cardboard boxes or whatever. Uh, do you think it's for the better or worse of wrestling that they do these giant elaborate bumps? We all know it's predetermined and everything. They do these giant elaborate bumps that no way anybody could even survive and they just end up looking even more fake because it's clear they're landing on crash pads cardboard you know whatever uh paris what do you think
1: yeah it's kind of a, a tough balance for me because yeah like i hate seeing it uh when you can notice it but at the same time like i also get that these people are putting their goddamn bodies on the line for for our entertainment so if you want a little protection from that i'm okay i'm okay with it
0: yeah, I think the aesthetic I agree. Like anytime you see behind the, the curtain when it comes to wrestling, it's always a bit of like, oh no, like you go you wanna kinda see those flawless performances. Um, but exact same thing with Mike. I, these guys, you know, you don't want to break your back in that by no. all means, be safe. I'm totally fine. If they don't want to do anything, but I'm not gonna ever complain about that because these used to see these wrestlers break their bodies for us. Like, you take care of yourself first.
2: Yeah, nobody was upset that Jericho, you know, went through a bunch of cardboard boxes or a crash pad or whatever. A lot of people were just a bit miffed with the production value of it. With the yeah. camera shot showing it being so yep. clearly yeah. fake. WWE did something recently I thought was fantastic um, where Roman Reigns basically powerbombs Dominic Mysterio into oblivion. Where they just used a camera angle and a camera shot and he had him in the ring and just launched him out of the ring and out of sight. And it looked fucking awesome, and you don't need to see him crashing on the ground or the, we talked about him earlier, the Zack Ryder wheelchair bump, which is one of the scariest, most uncomfortable things I've ever seen. We don't need to see the impact in the fall to have the, uh, you know, the gimmick of the stunt land with us as viewers who are watching. Yeah, even, like,
0: what, what was that match that was it took inside t- uh, took place inside the WWE building where someone got thrown off the roof? Like, we know they're not getting tossed no, off the yeah. building. That was money that in was the bank <laughs> last year. Where, yeah, I don't Rey care Mysterio got yeah. <laughs> we got
2: Rey Mysterio got hip-tossed off the roof. When they announced that that match was going to be, because it's the pandemic, we don't have crowds. When they announced that that match was going to be at WWE headquarters and the briefcases will be in wrestling rings on the roof every single person was like man that'd be cool if they threw somebody off the roof but that's ridiculous they'd never do that and we saw the hell out of that happen ray mysterio hip tossed off the roof i
1: laughed so hard how are they going to explain this away <laughs> and, and they did they tried to it was like oh no don't worry guys there was another level of the roof like six feet down he's fine he's not dead he wasn't murdered that night
2: which is fine, because they, the, the, yeah, they showed the wide shot of it, and you could see yeah. the other layer of that. But when you're watching it happen, you forget that that other layer exists, and you see a man get hip-tossed off the roof. But yeah, to watch, but <laughs> Wyatt, what if they committed to it?
0: Yeah, commit to it, and then like have like a storyline of, like, he grabbed into a window ledge and got pulled in. I don't care. Go with it. Pretend there was no roof there, and just tell me how he grabbed a fucking window. He had Spider-Man webs he just had on for that day. I don't care what it is. <laughs> He did something. Thomas Crown Affair guys caught him at the bottom of the building. What are God you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> they used the briefcase to form a trampoline, and they saved him.
1: I don't care, but have fun with it. Who was the purpose- perpetrator? Alistair Black? I feel like it was. Uh,
2: I think maybe Alistair Black went over the edge as well. I want oh, yeah, to right. say it was Corbin. <laughs> Corbin? It was I want to say it was Corbin. Which, that's yeah. something that somebody also pointed out to me recently, was that in that match... Again, that's when Corbin was at the height of his success, one could argue. He famously broke the mirror that was in uh, the gym. Do you remember that, Paris, watching that? Yeah, Yeah, he threw a weight and broke a giant mirror that was in the gym at Titan Towers. And then he stood there for a second and looked at it and realized, oh, shit, what have (laughs) I done?
1: And done some property someone, damage some, here.
2: Yeah, someone said recently that like, this is long-term storytelling. Is that <laughs> ever since that mirror broke, he has not found that same level uh. of success, and it has gotten worse. His luck has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse because of the mirror. Even so what if you're saying is
1: Vince is still a genius.
2: Yeah, even if they didn't. <laughs> He's been plan telling the story the whole time, that, and somebody just found that clip and go, "Oh, when Corbin broke the mirror, that started his bad luck streak." If they just patchworked and went, oh, yeah, that's what we had intended all along. That's genius. I love it. Genius.
1: Wow. I don't think that's the case, though. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm no. sure it isn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, gents. Uh, final thoughts on anything in the uh, in the world of wrestling while we uh, close up the show? Uh, we'll go around the horn. Wyatt?
0: Yeah, I think like, like I'm going to get back into wrestling watching it live because we're doing the show, but I obviously kind of tuned out just because of the WWE corporate fatigue, so getting back in AEW, though, has been uh, just a lot of fun. I know it's kind of cliched, like, they know how to do it right, but there just seems like there's a lot more of the wrestling spirit and creativity in AEW, which I really like, so uh, I'm actually looking for, again, the Trials of Jericho stuff right now is just fantastic. Paris?
1: Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to be part of this team. I'm excited to be uh, part of the NEW world. I'm excited to be uh, able to see local pro wrestling live once again soon enough, and, uh, Happy to happy to be here. Happy to talk wrestling with my friends.
2: Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to episode 5 is going to be a tough one for all of us to get through. I don't know what it we is, know. but we all know <laughs> that episode five is going to be an absolute slog. But everything from six to beyond there, it's all going to be absolute hits every single time. We are looking forward to getting some of the wrestlers on the show. We're looking forward to getting some of the office. On the show, some of the brass and talking and chatting wrestling with them every single week here on Wrestle Nation. Uh, so, to wrap it up for Wyatt Aren't the Stanchion, Mr. Mike Paris, I've been Jay Bowman. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time in Wrestle Nation.